A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 105 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store today. And with me, as always, my ED great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? Oh, man, not too much. We're getting closer and closer to opening day. Spring training's flying along, getting a lot of good info, at least, you know, when those you can watch and the games that have savant feeds is, is really good to track. Obviously everybody's tracking velo. People are tracking all kinds of stuff right now. We unfortunately had the Andrew Vaughn injury. I think it's the first major injury of spring training, at least like during spring training, you know, freaking stupid. I'm so, but. I'm so, I'm so annoyed. Like I tweeted, I'm like, he's not an outfielder. He's not a second baseman. He is a first baseman slash DH. And I know, yeah, they have Jose Abreu there, but just let Vaughn DH. I don't know why LaRusse is just, like wants to ruin Vaughn. I don't know why he, he I don't, I don't know. He doesn't have a, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> Try to answer, but I really don't know. Yeah. Going. There's no good answer to it. Like I, I love to get inside LaRusse's brain. Like, what are you thinking with your handling of Vaughn? It's, it's infuriating. It really is. Yeah. That's a, a good way to put it. It's infuriating, uh, but we're here. We're talking dynasty. We're talking Five years out, man. Crystal ball episode. This was a fun time last time. We actually had a listener suggest we do this again. So yeah. here we are, and we're doing it. I think this last time was a year ago, spring spring training last year. So we're going to look into the crystal ball, project players at each position, looking five years out, the top players. So that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a fun exercise, and it's going to be a good episode. Absolutely. Yeah, We uh, Chris and I had planned out like our entire we, – we planned out like back in December or whatever it was – the rest of the offseason through what at the time we thought was going to be opening day. And obviously the opening day getting pushed back, you know, was eight, nine days. Like we have an extra few shows here to fill some, some content with. So we've already got all we wanted to get out for the start of the season. So now we have some time to do a couple of fun episodes like this. And we had somebody uh, request it and we co- totally forgot about it. We're like, yeah, let's do that again. That was a, 
fun episode last year. I think it was episode like 25, 26, something like that. But last uh, last spring, as Chris mentioned, so we will do that again today. But before we get into all that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. For extra content from both of us, including Dynasty ADP. That's a great little perk there. You got a Dynasty startup draft going on right now. Go get, go in our 50 grade tier. Get that ADP. It's a great resource. And of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kits. All right, let's get right into it, Chris. We're going to go position by position. We'll give our, again, this is five years out. So, what would that be? 2027 at this point? Sorry, yeah, 2027. <laughs> I know, right? I, I I thought that number, and I'm like, wait, that can't be right. And I'm like, nope, it is 2022 plus five, 2027. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem right, but that is the case. So 2027, we will give our top five at every infield position, top 10 outfielders, top, what are we doing for pitchers, 25? Um, yeah. Something like that. Something like that, <laughs> top 25-ish pitchers. And we're not going to do relievers because that's just a total crapshoot, and who knows who will be closing then or not closing, so... We'll just start, keep it to starting pitchers here, but it's going to be a fun episode. But let's start right at catcher. Very improved position, definitely on the rise. Had a lot of fun putting out my top 50 dynasty catcher rankings the other day. That was so many, so much young talent. So uh, let's start there. And for reference, Chris and I do not know our the others list here. We didn't, we did not talk about this. We didn't put it on any sheet. I have it on a, a Word doc on my, on my desktop. That's about it. So we do not know. So let's start with catcher. Chris, who are your top five catchers five years out? All right. So I'm going to guess that we both have the same number one here. We'll yeah, see. Pretty, pretty, pretty easy call. <laughs> yeah, I've got Adley Rushman number one here. Uh, to me, it was a pretty easy call. You're looking at you know elite pedigree. I think I already have him number one for Dynasty, and he's just 24. He has a small injury right now that's going to delay his start to the season, but he should be in the majors pretty quickly, and – I think that you're going to see him really take off. I mean, the field of hit plus the power is really, really something special here. And I'm excited about him, even in Baltimore. I'm not worried. I think the team is on the rise. And while this year he may contribute to a, a bad team, you look around and look at that system. And I think in you know two or three years, like that's going to be a really, really good lineup. I see no reason why at age 29, five years out, Adley Rutschman's still not the – number one catching dynasty player in baseball. So Adley's number one for me. Uh, Will Smith's number two. I also think that was a, a pretty easy call. You look at the type of profile that Smith has, and I think it's one that will age well. Smith is 26 years old right now, meaning he's looking at 31 years old when we are talking 2027. But we've seen improvements in the hit tool, in my opinion. The contact skills have have improved, and there's big power here. And you look, I think catchers' lives will be prolonged a little bit with the implementation of the National League DH. So Smith's going to get a lot of reps there too, and he's one that should stick behind the plate long-term. So I still see him with catcher eligibility and him having uh, that kind of elite profile where him and Adley, both at the top, are, are going to be a really fun duo. And after this, it kind of becomes a real crapshoot, at least for me, because you look and you have Sal Perez and JT Real Muto, both 31 years old, 36 years old, like what kind of profile are we looking at there for a catcher, how they wear and tear? I don't know. So I'll go ahead and spoil it. I don't have either Real Muto or Perez on this list of my top five. So number three for me is Alejandro Kirk. I think that eventually talent 
always wins. And Kirk's bat is that talented. And you've seen it this spring. He's done nothing but hit. I mean, he's a little bowling ball, and he's a, a really good hitting bowling ball at that. And whether he earns the playing time this year or not, I really think the spot's open for him. While Jansen's the better fielding catcher, I think we're going to see him get a lot of reps at DH this year and enough on the plate to con- consistently keep that catcher eligibility. And I see no reason why a player like Kirk, who is just 23 years old, is not in the middle of his prime hitting the ball really, really well because the the field of hit, the batting average could eclipse even Adley here. Like we're looking at maybe one of the best uh, hitting catchers there is, and the power is also there too. So, you know, I have zero doubts that Kirk is going to turn into an absolute monster with a chance at playing time, whether that's in Toronto or elsewhere. We shall see, but Kirk is number three on the list, followed by Henry Davis with Pittsburgh. Again, another 22-year-old. He's going to stick behind the plate. The bat's really, really good and should only get better with time. You look at this kind of profile, and the bat normally develops last, and we saw the bat really, really come alive last year at Louisville, and now we're going to see his first full professional season, which should be a fun one to follow. But you look at a Henry Davis in his prime, and I really like the prospect status and the potential here to be a high-end catcher for fantasy purposes. And then I'll round out my fifth spot with Francisco Alvarez. It's interesting. There's some current catchers that I struggle not to put on this list, but Alvarez is another one where you look and the profile is just so good. He's been so young at different levels and still performed at a high level. He's 20 years old right now. I think that we see him really take off in the Mets system, and they're going to take their time with him. They want him to stick behind the plate. They're really going to take his time developing him his glove. But the bat's there. The bat's been there. That He he hits monster home runs. The field of hits really, really good. So I think we see Francisco Alvarez be a high-end fantasy catcher. And it was tough to leave some really good names off this list. But to me, this position was probably one of the biggest crapshoots when you just look at the overall profile. But my top five go back of Adley Rutschman, Will Smith, Alejandro Kirk, Henry Davis, and Francisco Alvarez. Who you got? Yeah, so same top two for me, Ali Rushman and Will Smith. That was like a lock for me. I, I, I knew without even looking, I'm like, those are my top two. I, I have Will Smith one right now, but barely over Richmond. I think he's going to pass him in both average and OBP. And uh, this is where we started getting a little. I also have Kirk, but I have him fourth. I'm, and I'm kind of upset that you have him higher than me. Uh, <laughs> so I love Alejandro Kirk. Uh, I actually have Gabriel Moreno three. It was, it was so hard because. The two guys you mentioned, who uh, four and five for you, Henry Davis and Francisco Alvarez, who I don't have on here, wanted to have them, but it's just so many good young catching talent, whether they've already debuted recently or they're going to in the next year or two. There's, there was literally probably eight to ten people that could have been included three through five here. So I'll go Moreno, three. He's one of the best pure hitters in the minor leagues. This is a guy that legit could hit. You know, push 300 annually. Like the hit tool is that good. The power is probably 18 to 20 homers, especially in Toronto. The great lineup around him. Uh, maybe they trade him. Like, there's obviously a log jam. Someone has to get traded, whether it's Kirk, Jansen, Moreno, who knows. But I'm just I, at this point banking on the talent. That's, that's all you can do. Don't worry about the playing time too much. Uh, bank on the talent. And Moreno definitely has the talent. Then I have Alejandro Kirk four. Dude just hits plus bat plus approach. 15 to 20 homer pop. 
know, he's going to get a shot somewhere. Let's hope it's sooner rather than later because he is just an absolute hitting machine. And then five, I want Key Bear Ruiz. You know, he's one that I've been a bit critical on in the past with with the power, especially you know in the last you know 2018, 2019. But 2021, that power really ticked up. ISO shot up near 300 in AAA, and that was not at the expense of the hit tool either. Like he was still hitting for high average. I think he can be one of those high average, solid power, like 18 to 20 home runs, 280 plus catchers, and he's gonna be at least for now. You know, right behind or a couple spots behind Juan Soto. So, probably got it delivers a good amount of RBI as well. Uh, so, I really like Hebert Ruiz there at five. And then, like Davis, Alvarez were just outside. Same with like Sal Perez and others. It was a really tough position to to pick just, uh, you know, pick just five, honestly. So, uh, that is you my top. Oh, you go ahead. consider Dalton Farso? I did, but I. Five years out, I don't think he's catcher eligible anymore. That was my thought behind it. Yep. If if he was, he'd be three for okay. me. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. I don't even if he has catcher eligibility still. I'm not sure I would because I'm not sure how the profile ages, and I think a lot of the the fantasy appeal from him comes from the speed. And I'm not sure we see him still a lot of bases five years from now. So that was my hold up. Even if he was catcher eligible, I'm not sure I'd have him on this list. So. It's tough. And Moreno for me, like Moreno makes the list, but I think he moves off the position. So that's possible. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. And who knows? But Moreno, if he did make the list, he would slot in at four for me. So yeah, that's fair. And, and he very well could move off the list. We, we've seen him play. You know, they've got him a little bit of time elsewhere. So obviously they have a log gym. They can't play all these guys unless they trade them all. But uh, a couple others that were like Tyler Soderstrom probably move, probably move us off. Uh, Austin Wells might move off. He was in consideration for me. MJ Melendez, he might move off too. Uh, who's the other one? Uh, oh, Harry Ford, he probably moves off as well. But yeah, so much catching talent, it's ridiculous. But let's move over to first base, which was a little bit easier for me. And so my top five here, Vladdy Jr. won. That's a lock. Like, there's nobody else to even consider at number one. And then two, three, four. I knew the the three I wanted there. I just didn't know the order. Went back and forth several times. I ended up going with Spencer Torkelson at two. I think he's first baseman long term. I went Pete Alonso three, Matt Olson four. Those three were, you know, Matt Olson and Alonso will be in their early thirties at that point in time. So I still think they're, you know, going to be elite productors there. Torkelson will be in his uh, what twenty seven or twenty eight at that time. So that was a tough choice between those three. But I went Torque, Alonso, Olson two, three, four. And then five, I could have put a few guys, but I really think Tristan Cassis is going to be a beast. He's He was focusing on more so the the approach and making solid contact. Wasn't really working on power last year. And now he's saying, all right, now it's time for me to kind of ratchet it up in the power department. So this is a guy where the left-handed power is 70-grade raw. Like, I think he could be a 30-plus homer bat at Fenway, 270-plus hitter, high OBP as well just a four category monster. He won't provide any speed, obviously, but just a really good four category monster. And a guy that's probably going to hit somewhere in the middle of that Red Sox lineup. And it's going to be, you know, a great Red Sox lineup for years to come. It always is. So I think he can be a, just four categories of just elite production there. So put him at number five, Chris, who are your five? I've got Vlad at one to no surprise. I think that he, there's no doubt the profile, Ages really well, and then I've got Matt Olson at two. I think this is another profile that I don't see regressing. Even though Olson's twenty-seven, 
You know, you know he's locked up in Atlanta for the foreseeable futures, and he'll still be there in five years. At 32, I think we look at him, you know, Freddie Freeman's currently 32. So in a similar way, obviously Freeman has a better field to hit, but you give Olsen the edge in power. So I think that we still value Olsen in a similar spot five years from now, similar profile that doesn't age poorly, in my opinion. So I've got him too. I've got Spencer Torkelson at three. That was kind of tough debating. And honestly, three through or two through four, Olsen, Torque, and Pete Alonzo were all kind of tough for me to rank. Yeah. Alonzo's all kind of in the same situation as it's Olsen, where that he's 27 as well. And another profile that I don't think has a problem with age. But Torque, how do we see the development? I think is really the biggest question. You know, what kind of home run batting average profile are we looking at? So I think at this point we kind of know who Pete Alonzo and Matt Olson are. So Torque kind of just slots in the middle of them where I think he's a little bit of both, where we see him have a good average and you know good power, not Olsen or, or Alonzo power, but he probably hits for better average than both. So that's why I sandwiched him there. And I've got Casas at five as well. So nice. um, the profile overall at first base is not great long-term, there's a lot of age there and there's not a lot of prospects on the way. So for me, it was pretty easy to pick Casas, who I think has an argument to, he could be in there by the end of this year. He cracked that top five with you yeah. know, some playing time in the major league. So same top five, huh? Yeah, no, it was pretty clear cut top five yeah. for me, honestly. Like, it was one of a couple of others I even like remotely looked at, but I just didn't think they had the upside. Like uh, Freddie Freeman will be like 37, 38 at that point in time. Love Freeman. I know we both do, but, I just don't think at that point, I think there will be some, you know, a, a drop off a little bit for Freeman. Maybe not a ton. He'll probably, if I, we, if we did top 10, I still have Freeman top 10, yeah. like back at back end of it. But, you know, Goldschmidt's already pushing 35. You know, Kirilov might not be a, a first baseman. Even if, even if he was, I wouldn't have him cracking this top five. He'd probably be like seven or eight range. A lot of the other first basemen right now that are like currently high in my first base dynasty rankings are all like late 20s, like Reese Hoskins, Jared Walsh, or even early 30s, like yeah. a Max Muncy or, or mid 30s, like Jose Abreu. So I, mean, I don't I don't see like Mount Castle getting up that high or anyone like that or no. Ty France or Frankie Schwindel. So no. uh, the only other one that I actually thought of that I, I wanted to put in, but I was like, I just couldn't do it. Vinny Pasquantino. I I I want like back in mind. I'm like, oh, I want to do like Vinny P here, but I don't think he quite gets to that level. Probably top ten though. I can see him yeah, top ten that's fair. for sure. All right, so let's move over to the Keystone second base. This is where it got really interesting for me. Uh, it's obviously some of these I'm sure Chris did as well. You know, it's, we project guys to move positions a little bit, maybe from shortstop to second, from shortstop to third, or whatever, shortstop to outfield, whatever it may be. So some of the, I have some kind of surprising names on here, but I'll uh, go over to Chris first. Chris, who are your top five at second base? All right, well, I still have Albies at one. Uh, had him at, have him at one right now. I don't really see that changing. So he's kind of the clear cut. I don't think the profile ages poorly at all. We've seen him grow into power. He's still a speed threat. He's just 25. So, you know, maybe at 30 years old, we're looking at a Albies that hits 30 home runs and steals eight to 10 bags. But I still think that's valuable, and I do think that we see the hit tool improve. You you look at a young hitter like this, I don't see why his hit tool wouldn't get better. So I'm uh, banking on him to still be number one overall. I've got Jazz Chisholm at two, which is kind of a question mark for me. Honestly, the rest of the position after Albies got kind of dicey, but I went with Jazz 
even though I think there's a lot of question marks, but I think the power speed upside is so good that he deserves this spot, even if he hits 250. I think if he hits 250, he's a 25-25 threat, and that's extremely valuable. A 29-year-old Jazz Chisholm you know, maybe does grow into more power. I think there's still some room for him to add power in that profile. Maybe the speed ticks down a little bit, but I do think overall we're looking at a really solid contributor. And I went kind of safe with my third pick and went Jonathan India. I oh, think I that, like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think Indian India's profile is is very safe, and you know what you're going to get. And he's just 25, so a 30 year old India I think probably adds power. Maybe we're not looking at a ton of speed, but we're still looking at a solid power and decent batting average source here at second base. So um, just being 25 is a big deal for me there. This is where I got really tough. So I didn't have any obvious candidates. So I went to the prospect well here and have Nick York, who is another, feels like a really safe player. I mean, we, York has a great feel to hit, and we know that. I mean, he really showed that off last season. He's 19 right now, so 24 years old. I think he's you know two full seasons in to the big leagues at that point, so maybe even more than that. So I think he's well-established at this point, and the power's come along way sooner than expected. And you're looking at a type profile that can hit you a 300 batting average and you know, good power, maybe chips in a few steals. I don't, I don't know what – I don't think he runs a lot, honestly, in the bigs, but we'll see. I think he's still going to provide something there. And then I rounded out five with Tamar Johnson, who's yet to debut because he's still in high school. But I think that Johnson's kind of a – otherworldly player when it comes to the hit tool. Uh, you, I talked about York's hit tool. I think that Termar is talked about as like second to Wander Franco in, as far as hit tool is. So if that does develop, there's no other clear-cut guys here at the position that make me say, all right, that, that's an easy five. So I went I went to that well and took Termar Johnson, who I think is arguably, if, if we're playing an open-world dynasty where you can draft those guys, is, is one of the best open-world options there is. He may be cracking his first major league season. He may have played his first full major league season five years from now, but I still think the profile is that good. That field of hit is incredible. So, And the power for a little guy, he packs a punch. So top five of Albies, Chisholm, India, York, and Johnson. I like it. I wanted to go Termar in some I – I, I wanted to go a few of those guys, like Termar Johnson, Drew Jones – Elijah Green, it was just so hard for me to do so, you know. But five years out, they might be at that point. They might not be debuted yet, or they might be in their first year, but their value could be that high. So I like that pick there. All right, mine. This is where I got a little different here. So I have Anthony Volpe number one here. I think he moves over to second base. I can see them keeping Peraza at short. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he still shorts up. Who knows? But could definitely see them moving him over to second and. I think the profile is a you know 280 plus 25 25 profile, and I think he's going to be this high floor there. He's at Love Yankee Stadium. He's he's just excelling. Last year he is legit. Everything he did is absolutely legit. The contact skills are very good. The approach is phenomenal. Power speed is there. Don't sleep on him. Don't write him off. Not write him off, but don't just not believe in what you saw from Anthony Volpe last year. He is legit. I've said it many times before how much I love Anthony Volpe and I hate it as a Red Sox fan, but. I think he's going to be an early-round fantasy asset within the next few years. So I'll put him number one at second. Another guy who's not currently a second baseman, but I believe moves over there, 
I got CJ Abrams number two here. Well, I didn't know where I wanted to put Abrams. There's a few of those shortstops where I'm like, I don't know if they stay at shortstop. Abrams is one of them. There's actually three, and Volpe was one of the other ones. So I'll go Abrams moving over to second base here. The, the potential 290 plus, 35 to 40 steals. I think the power, he's already hit a couple home runs in spring training. That's very nice to see. Probably would be a guy that would debut midseason if he didn't miss, you know, at least was it two thirds or three quarters of last year. So people think he's going to be like up early. No, I just, you know, he only has like 37 or so games at double A. So I don't see him up till late this year, even at the early 2023. But the upside is just astronomical, especially if that power gets up even into like the 15 to 18 range to go on with that speed, that average. He'll be a leadoff type of guy, a lot of runs scored. Love CJ Abrams. Then I have Ozzy Albies at three, and that is not a knock on Albies at all. People know, I know me, know I love Ozzy Albies. This was hard. Uh, I do wonder maybe if the speed does tail off a little bit five years from now, but I think the rest of the profile should be still really rock solid. That is more so me speaking highly of Volpe and Abrams and not a detractor on Albies at all. I also have Nick York for, so I like that we both have Nick York for. I think he's going to be kind of what Dustin Pedroia was back in, when Pedroia was at his peak, like high average, high OBP, not a huge power speed guy, but a guy that can push 2020 annually or even exceed 20 home runs or 20 steals on occasion, probably more so in the power department than the speed department. But this one of those all around really good profiles that get a little undervalued. Like Pedroia was always a little undervalued because he didn't have 30 home runs or 30 steals, but it's always really good across the board. Probably be a high run scored and RBI guy as well. Family is obviously a great park to play in. And then the guy that I had the hardest time, I could, I did not know where I want to put this guy. And then there's Jazz Chisholm at five. I could have put him as high as third. Uh, I don't know. It was just so hard. I was like, how much, you know, obviously the power speeds there, like Chris mentioned, how much average does he hit for? Does the strikeout woes and the contact skills limit the power speed a little bit? I don't know, but he was just one of the hardest ones to rank, but the four I have ahead of him are very talented players. So uh, Jess Chisholm at five. Uh, India is another guy I strongly considered. And if I didn't move Volpe and Abrams over second base here, I probably would have had India in there. India is another guy that I, I was talking with uh, Bubba on Twitter earlier about this and about how India is just going to be, I think, one of those guys that's always undervalued, always underrated because he doesn't have the huge, like the loud tools. But Across the board, like a 2010 guy with a ton of runs scored, a decent average, high OBP. Like he's always going to be one of those very good players that often gets you know a little undervalued. So I love India as well. Strongly considered him. Moving over to the hot corner here. This is another one that was pretty. It's actually a pretty fun position to project out. I still have Devers number one here. I think he's going to be I think 30 then. I don't see the the bat dropping off anytime soon. He's an elite four-category guy that could still add five, six, seven steals annually. And like I said, this is going to be he, – he's shown he can hit, hit over 300. He can hit 35 home runs. All the runs and RBIs that comes from being in the a potent bat in the middle of the Red Sox lineup. So I still have him number one. Number two, I got Novi Marte. I think he moves over to third base long-term. I think the body outgrows shortstop. I think there's 270, 280 average in the profile. I think there's 30-plus home runs. Like he is, He's really strong. Uh, you've seen some of the, the video of him this spring, some of the pictures. Like He's a very strong dude. But I think there's 30 home runs. And I think there still could be double-digit steals in the profile as well. I don't think he's ever going to be a 20-plus steal guy, maybe early in his career. But I think more so long-term, you look at that 10 to 15 steals, along with that decent average. You know, I don't think he'll be a huge OBP guy. He doesn't have a high walk rate. But 
you know, 340, 350 OBP, solid average, 30-10 type of profile. So I have him two. I got Austin Riley at three. I think uh, we've spoken about him ad nauseum on this podcast. I think the improvements he made last year are mostly legit. I don't see any reason why he can't be a 270-plus, 30-plus, you know, 100-plus, 100-plus type of guy for the foreseeable future. Four, this is where it's going to get interesting. Four, I went Jordan Walker, who I think long-term could have a similar profile to an Austin Riley. Uh, maybe even a little more upside, but obviously Riley's already established. So went Walker four. I think he, the improvements he made last year at the plate, like he, we knew he had the elite raw power, but the improvements he made at the plate, cut down on the swing and miss, putting the ball in play more often than I think any of us anticipated. I don't think we ever saw him hitting for that average that he hit for. So if he can maintain those improvements and keep the average up in the, the Austin Riley range, I think that this elite power bat there. So Walker four. And I want Key Brian Hayes at five. And we talked about him in the last few podcasts. So I'm not going to go deep into him here, but 20 to 25 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, solid average. Pittsburgh lineup's improving. So maybe not the sexiest number five there, but I think he's good enough to be in that five to seven or eight range for third baseman annually you know, over the next handful of years. So again, Devers, Marte, Riley, Jordan Walker, Key Brian Hayes. Chris, what you got? All right, so I have Devers at one as well. This is kind of self-explanatory at this point. You look at the age, everything they're going for him. Easy pick for me. Uh, number two pick is going to surprise a lot of people, but it's Miguel Vargas, who I think is oh, just – I love that, dude. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to go on a rant right here and say I'm highly upset I didn't get him in the Highlander dynasty. <laughs> um, I, at pick 206, I, I needed a couple positions still because I'm, I'm filling out a win-now team. And I was talking to our buddy Mags, and he was like uh, – you know, this is a time you should start considering a prospect. And I was like, you know, Miguel Vargas is the fit because he's going to debut soon. And he said, I said, I'm going to try. Right, so I said the plan, the out, the plan I outlined was uh, to look exactly at what I did in the draft. But anyway, I was going with a certain player. Then I was going to come back and get him coming back around at, like, at 240 around that range and then pick up a first baseman, which I needed. But he said, James Anderson's going to grab Vargas. And sure enough, I let Vargas go. I make, made my pick and James picked Vargas, which is upsetting to me because I just don't think people realize how good he is. Yeah. And the, when the Dodgers director player, player development says one of the best prospects he's ever seen, that just has rung so loudly in my ears since I read that earlier this spring, because there's a lot of talent that's come through there. I mean, the hit tool is phenomenal. The contact rates back that up that he's, he constantly hits for a good averages because the great plate discipline skills, the great contact rates, everything about him is is really solid. I mean, you're looking at a player last year who who doesn't strike out much at all, walks at a good clip, makes 80-plus percent contact, but has a ton of power that's finally developing is what we were waiting on, and it came last year. And if you've seen it this spring, he, I mean, monster, monster home runs. So, I mean, last year, 319, 380, 526 with 23 homers. Pretty impressive between a high A and double A there. So I just think Vargas really takes off, and you question where does he play in L.A.? Justin Turner's getting older. I think he's the heir apparent here for, for JT. So Vargas is number two. I've got Austin Riley three. I don't think the profiles are, are that dissimilar, but I think Vargas is going to hit for a little higher average. So I've got Riley in the third spot. He's established. We know what he is. I think he's a, I don't think he's going to hit 300. I think he's going to hit 270 with 35 home runs. I think Vargas can hit 285 
with with 28 to 30 home runs. So Riley a little power edge, Vargas a little it, average edge. Maybe maybe even a little bit of speed from Vargas too. Like yep. he's shown that maybe he's a you know even five stolen base guy. That definitely helps a little bit too. Right, better than none. So you, yep. I mean, last year he stole 11. So you know we'll take that all day long. Even if he steals five, that's a good counting number. I went uh, Noel V. Marte at the fourth slot. So I do think he moves over as well. I don't see that body sticking at shortstop. I think Marte's a beast, but I think we're looking at established Riley and Riley's still 24. So I think that there's no, no, needs to show me more in order to jump Riley. And then I've got Brady house in the fifth spot. I think he's athletic enough to stick at shortstop and he's a good enough defender at short to stick there. But I do think he eventually moves over. And I think that house's profile is actually very similar to an Austin Riley type. So I wouldn't be surprised to see House be really solid. And I could see him moving up through the ladder, the ranks pretty quickly to get to the majors just because I do think he's a lot better than advertised. And I've said that time and time again. I don't need to rant about Brady House anymore. But my top <laughs> five is Devers, Vargas, Riley, Melvin Marte, and Brady House. And that was uh, that's actually a really good you – know, third base is talked about right now as being a little underwhelming overall, but – Definitely, I think, could be on the rise. Like We, we both have Novi Marte moving over, a lot of good prospects. Like I love the Vargas pick. He is super underrated. I don't think people – it's funny, too, is like he's in the Dodgers org. It's not often where Dodgers prospects get right. undervalued, right? So uh, glad to see you have him here. I actually – I considered him, too. Just so many so many good names here. Third base, I think third base is going to be next few years. You'll see a resurgence at this position for sure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, but before we do – I want to mention the Fantrax game day experience. Win tickets for to any Major League Baseball game for you and your entire league. That's a great thing, right? We did it for football, doing it again for baseball. All you have to do is sign up your league today. Uh, you can use Fantrax.com slash toolshed. Sign up your league through that link. You are automatically entered into the game day experience to maybe get tickets to any game. You want to go see... Sox Yanks, you're going. You want to go see Cardinals, Cubs, you're going. Giants, Dodgers, whatever you want, you will go and your entire league. So that is a great thing there. Enter now, fantrax.com slash toolshed. We will take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll come back and do some shortstops, outfielders, and pitchers. So do not forget. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some shortstops here. One of the, the always one of the sexiest positions in fantasy baseball. And I'm not going to change here with these, I'm sure, with our top fives here which could be like five top 10 players at this point in time. But we'll go over to Chris first here. Chris, who's your top five shortstops in five years? You know, it's nearly impossible to actually like pick these. <laughs> I don't I actually don't think much changes. You know, Fernando Tatis at the top. I do think that he could move in the outfield, but I don't really see it. But for now, I'm going to say still list him here and, and have him as a shortstop. So Tatis at one, Bo Bichette at two, again, it's pretty easy picks for me here. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. at three, which, again, I think that he could push and get pretty close to Bo. I think the profiles aren't that dissimilar, but I think that potential 300, 30-30 is not out of the question for 
for either of these guys, which is kind of insane. Maybe there's some some batting average downside to Witt, which is why I still have Bo ahead of him because I think that Bo's a lot safer batting average-wise, contact skills, etc. I've got Wander Franco at four. He's a tough one to really value, and four is not a knock on him at all. We've said it before, and, and I'll say it again. I just don't think there's elite fantasy profile here. I think you are looking at a player who is going to hit uh, for maybe the best average in the league. I think he's going to win plenty of batting titles. But how much does he run? I think that's the question mark. I, I almost wonder if he's stopped running kind of now. It'll be interesting to follow like how many times he attempts a steal this year. I do think the power, he does grow into power, but I think it's – you know, 25 home run power. So he's not in that tier for me at the top with Tatis, Bo, and Witt. I've got C.J. Abrams at five, which is questionable considering Tatis is also at shortstop. But I do think the profile is just that good. And I think the profile honestly could vault him above Wandered from a fancy standpoint. You look, he's done everything that's been asked of him. Every question mark he's had has been answered. The power's coming. He's got elite speed. The contact skills are really, really good. So, you know, Abrams could vault Wander. He could move to a different position. I know you had him in a different position too, which is fine. He could play second. He could play center field. He could stay short. You know, we'll, time will tell. But I do have Tatis and Abrams both at short for now. Again, that's not likely to happen in five years, but <laughs> that just gives you the caliber of player. If I had Abrams at second base, he would be number two for what it's worth. So that just gives you an idea of how good the profile is. I think that we're looking at a Trey Turner light here. So, and you know how valuable Trey Turner is based Absolutely. on him going number one overall in region. <laughs> now, did, did you consider Volpe at either second or short? How close is he to making it for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he sticks at short. I do think he is the Yankees' future shortstop. So he's just right below Abrams. So there's yeah. a lot of tough names here right. that I went through. But I do think that he would be, if I kept going, I, I see him being you know, six or seven. Okay. I don't I don't see anybody else above him there. That's fair. Okay, I just want to see where he was for you there. So for me, one two, I have the same one, two, and three as Chris. It was I struggled immensely with the order of these three. I had them. I used all combinations of the three as one, two, three. I ended up settling. And if you ask me again next week, I could change my mind. I got Bo Bichette one, and I'll tell you why. Tatis, obviously, if he's a guy that gives you 150-ish games a year, he's number one. Like 50-30 upside, we've seen it. But we've also seen a lot of injuries, a lot of stupid injuries at that. I have this fear that he turns into the Byron Buxton of the infield. I hope, I really hope I'm wrong. <laughs> obviously, that would suck. Have one of the most talented players I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I'm 31 years old. I'm obviously not like 70. I didn't see Willie Mays play. I didn't see, anybody, <laughs> I didn't see Ted Williams play, obviously. So I was born in 1990. So one of the most talented all-around or offensive talents and fantasy talents that I've ever seen, that would suck. But I just wonder if he's always like a 130 to 140 game played guy. And if Bo was a guy that he showed, it looks like he can be a guy that's, you know, plays every day. You know, obviously it's hard to say how he is – if he gets any injuries, but that production, I think, will fault keep him ahead for me. So I think Bo's 25, 25, 300 average, crap ton of runs in RBIs. Um, and if we see slightly less, 15, 20 less games from Tatis, I think that'll impact it. So I'll go Tatis too. 
Bobby Witt Jr. three, and I I wanted to put Witt Jr. one because I do think he's a two eighty guy, at least two seventy. I think he's he might be a thirty five homer guy. Like I, I keep getting higher and higher with my power projection of Witt. Like you see him, he just cranks him. Like he the quality of contact I think is gonna be elite. And I think there's a potential for not only 30, but maybe even get up into the mid 30, 33, 34, 35 homer bats. Steve, you know, I think he's still at least a 25 steel guy. Maybe that drops a little bit in five years. Maybe he's only a 20 steel guy, but even if he's 380, I mean, 380, yeah, that'd be ridiculous. 280, 35, 20, or something like that. That's still, I think he, he, he could be a top th- three to five pick within five years, maybe even within three years. Four, I also have Wander Franco. I agree with a lot of what Chris said. I think there's, you know, I think he grows into like mid twenties power, maybe upper twenties, you know, at peak. I do think the speed is more in the teens, twelve to fifteen range, long term, because not only has he never been a high, like a high stolen base guy in the minors, the efficiency also wasn't there for the most part as well. So, not sure we ever see like twenty steals out of him. Yeah, it should be a really good profile, like top twenty-five overall pick profile annually like probably where like Ozzy Albies is going now I can see Wander being like guy that you take in the second round I just don't know if he's ever a first round guy I don't know if he has the power speed to get to the first round even though he might be a 300 or probably will be a 300 plus hitter number five could have gone 14 different ways here ended up settling on O'Neill Cruz a little bit risky that he's still at shortstop then just because he's nine foot six but he moves well he's a very athletic six seven moves well I can see him sticking at least for the next four to five. Maybe after this, as he gets into his late 20s, maybe you can see him move off. But I just don't think it's imminent that he moves off. Maybe five years down the road he does. Maybe uh, I'm a little you know bullish on this. But I do think the just the profile, I think he's a 30 homer bat, 10 to 12 steals. Maybe I don't think the average will be elite, but you know 270 or so I think is fair for him. And like I said earlier, I think the Pittsburgh lineup will be on the up and up then. So uh, I'll go O'Neill Cruz here, but this was a really hard position, Chris, just because of all the talent, both at the major league level and prospect wise. Was there anybody else? Let's just stick on shortstop for a minute here. Anybody else that you had a hard time excluding here? This was all, all the talent at this position. Yeah, there's certainly you know a lot of prospects on the way. It's kind of crazy, but I even considered Willie Adamas. I think that he yeah. could make a jump. Uh, you mentioned Volpe just being close. I like O'Neill Cruz as well. There, there's so much young talent. I mean, you look at the the recent shortstops with uh, Marcelo Meyer and Khalil Watson that have just recently signed. You know what what do their profiles look like in five years? There's there's Ellie Dela Cruz. At the end of the day, though. You know, most all these guys have proven themselves, so which is why they made the list. I mean, the top, you know, for Tatis, Bo, and and Wit, even though Wit hasn't really cracked the majors, they're still proven to a different level than most of these guys aren't. So the age and the you know the confidence I have in those is just much higher. Okay, yeah, that's fair. the the one I had a hard time not ex- you know including, and I'm sure many people are sitting there wherever you're sitting listening to this podcast, you're like. What about Trey Turner? Yes, he was an incredibly difficult player to not include here. As Chris said, he's a you know number one overall pick this year, but five years out, he's pushing 34. And if we extended this to a top 10, 100% Trey Turner is still in the top 10. But if he's sixth or seventh, that still could be a second-round pick. 
Like, I don't think he's going to be falling off. Maybe the speed goes down to, you know, a 20 steel guy. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. He's also shown that he's not quite the most durable dude around. So I wonder how that, as he gets into his, you know, early to mid thirties, how that goes, but still definitely a top 10, still probably a top 30 overall player, but it's a shortstop. All these elite young guys that I think will pass him over the next, maybe not in year two or three, but years four and five, I can see guys passing him. So that's why if we did top 10, I'd probably have him probably six, to be honest with you. I think this will be very good. Just not quite as good as this five, but could be entirely wrong. He could still be, you know, top three at that point and make us eat crow here. So uh, going over to ah, the outfield now, we're down with the infield. The outfield was really fun. We're going to do top 10 here. For me, I, I still have one Soto one. He's going to be 28. He's going to, I don't see the profile changing <laughs> from now to when he's 28. I really don't. I think he's still going to be elite four four fifty plus OBP guy. You know, potential of a 300 average every year, 30 plus home runs, t- you know, around 10 steals, give or take a handful either way. Obviously, the runs in RBI will be there. I think they, and they've already, they've already brought in a couple of guys here to help out, you know, with, uh, or more Nelson Cruz. And obviously, they have a lot of money there. So I expect that lineup to get better around him moving forward as well. So no, no reason not to have him number one for me. I, I got a Cunha too. Like th- these were the top two. I th- don't think. I, I do wonder if there's a bit of a durability issue with Acuna as well. I hope not. Again, with the like, same thing with Tatis, but 50-30 upside does not grow on trees. And he could – I'd be shocked if, like, next three years, Acuna doesn't have a 50-30 season. I think it's coming. Three, Luis Robert. I think outside of Tatis and Acuna, he might have the highest, like, pure ceiling. We're talking, like, 100th percentile, best-case outcome. Like, he could be damn near close to those two the power and speed that he has Robert and he showed the improvements last year exponentially with the contact rates, the K rates, the whiff rates, they all improved. Yeah. It was only like a, what, two months or so that we get to see him. But if those stick, watch out, he's going to be a monster for my boy, Kyle Tucker at four. I think he's legit, you know, 280 plus guy, 30 plus home runs, 15 to 18 steals. I don't see that changing over the next five years. He'll be I think 29 at that point in time. Don't see that changing. Houston is a great place to hit. Gonna be a great lineup around him. So I think he's gonna be a top five outfielder for at least the next half decade. Five. Well, I'm sure this guy will be a, one or two spots higher for Mr. Chris Clegg. Got Julio Rodriguez, who is going to be a four and a half category monster, potential 300 hitter, potential 35 to 40 home runs. I think Seattle's lineup is gonna be very good long term. Next five, 10 years, thinks to be a top 10 lineup more often than not. So he'll be hitting probably third or fourth in that lineup. So elite four category production. And as we mentioned, the speed I think will be there at least double digits or so, you know, even five years out, he's going to be 27 at that point. In time. No, 26. He's, I think he's still 21 actually. So 26, 27, right in his physical prime. I think he's going to be an absolute beast. Sixth, I got Riley Green. Some issues with the strikeout rate, obviously, but I still think he's a 275, 280 hitter, 25, the 30 home runs, 15 to 20 steals. I think he'll I think he'll curb the K rate, at least down to the low to mid-20s, at least so it's not an issue for him and hurts his average. So I think it's really good five-category guy. At seven, Jordan Alvarez, four-category beast. If there's going to be a guy that makes a Vlad Jr. jump, it's going to be Jordan. He's already kind of near Vlad in a lot of metrics, so we'll see. But this is a potential annual 40-homer guy, 270-plus. 
100 plus, 100 plus. Obviously, doesn't provide any speed, but elite four category guy. Eight, I put Corbin Carroll. So everything we've been saying about C.J. Abrams, Corbin Carroll is that, and maybe even a higher average. I think he's potential six to seven hit, seven speed, and the power is coming too. So even if he's 15 to 18 home runs, 300 plus average, a lot of runs as, as a probably a leadoff guy or a number two hitter, 35 to 40 steals. Like he is very, very good. I get my boy Jared Kelenic at nine. I think he's still going to be a 270 type of hitter, 30 home runs, 10 to 15 steals. He'll be hitting somewhere in the middle of that Seattle lineup. Maybe, I don't know, fourth or fifth. He'll probably be hitting a little bit behind J-Rod, but I think he's still going to be a very good player. You saw the improvements he made late last year. I think they stick. I think he's have a monster year this year and make all the doubters like Michael Simeone eat their words. Ken, I, I got a tie. I literally could not pick between these two. So since it's our show, Chris, I didn't pick between them. I'm going to do a tie here <laughs> between Josh Lowe and Robert Hassel. Originally, I had Josh Lowe, but I was like looking at my, my outfield prospects. I'm like, man, I got to have Robert Hassel in there somewhere. So I go a tie there. I think Lowe's a 20 homer, 25 steel guy, good enough average. Uh, I think you've seen maybe a 260 average out of him moving forward. And Hassel, I think, is 280, 290, 20 to 25 home runs, 20 to 25 steals, where he could be a few spots higher, but so much talent here. So that's my top 10. Soto, Acuna, Robert, Tucker, J-Rod, Green, Jordan, Carroll, Kelnick, and a tie between Josh Lowe and Robert Hassel, the third. Chris, who are your 10? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I have the same top two, but in reverse order. I still have Acuna one. I think that we see Soto completely stop running at this point in his career. You bite your tongue, Mr. Clegg. <laughs> I mean, he's still going to be young in relative terms, but you know, I don't, I don't think he steals much. Still a better hitter than Acuna. Acuna's got more power and speed, which is the, the fantasy edge. So Acuna at one, Soto at two. I have Julio Rodriguez three. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> I, I, I called that. I was like, he's putting J-Rod three. I almost predicted yeah. your top three. Yeah, it was it was a pretty easy call for me, honestly. I don't I don't think people understand how good of a hitter he is. Yeah, I don't know how much he steals. His speed isn't excellent, but there's more to it than that. And he enjoys stealing bases, it seems. He has the drive to steal bases. So I do think he steals considerably enough. Like I don't see him honestly. I'm not sure he's that dissimilar from Soto, which is insane, but I definitely give the hit to alleged to Soto, but I think at the same time, J-Rod is just really stinking good. We've got Luis Robert, F4. You talked about the improvements that he made, and that's absolutely true. He's still young enough where we see – you're going to see the speed. I mean, he's 24 years old. I wish the White Sox would have a different philosophy philosophy when it came to stolen bases. You know, let him run. He's capable of being 30-30. He just needs right. the opportunities. They well, hate stealing bases for some reason. Maybe LaRusso's not there in five years. I mean, LaRusso's, yeah. what, 72, 73? Yeah. I don't think he's there in five years. Not, no chance. You. But they didn't even steal before LaRusso, so I don't – they need a, a different manager that actually is, is on board with that. So Yeah, they, they need a, a young manager to go along with this young rising team. Well, I think that, that'd be good for them. Yeah, that, that makes too much sense for them to do, I guess. But. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're sticking Vaughn in the outfield or anywhere but where he should be. So Right. It just – it, I don't know. Nothing makes sense. But all right, for five, I actually went off the cusp and a player that is still in college, and that's uh, Dylan Cruz. I just think that Cruz is that good. I think that he could jump on a major league team right now and perform. I, I think the talent is definitely there. You look at all of his batted ball data, and it's just off the charts good. And against the best 
college baseball competition at that. So Cruz is not eligible until next year's draft. So you're looking five years from now. Let's see. He will be probably in his second year major league. Yeah, but he's one that will be faster than majors. He's a college bat. Yeah. He's an advanced college bat at that. So, you know, he's still pretty fresh in the majors at this point, five years from now. But, yeah, everything is just insanely good with Cruz. So his, I think, his, his name crossed my mind. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. As as did Elijah Green and Drew Jones. I was some of those guys. I was hard. And I love Chase Allowder too. I know he has been had a little bit of up and down year this year, but yeah, I think all of those guys are definitely in, in the running at least. Um, and then I went uh, Kyle Tucker at six. So I think Tucker still has it at that point. I, I we've seen him get better, so there's no reason to think that that shouldn't at least continue for a little bit more of his career. Jordan Alvarez following that up at seven. You know you're not. You know what you're going to get from him. He's not going to run, but he's an elite hitter and he's got big power. Corbin Carroll followed that up at eight, which I think you had him at eight. Also, I did. Yep. Everything we mentioned with Abrams, you, know, you got to reflect that with Carroll. He's back healthy, looks good in spring. So Carroll will be up before we know it and be a really solid player. And I went Elijah Green here at nine. So yeah. his his season's been up and down. I won't say he's been the most impressive and. You know, maybe his draft stock has fallen a hair, but we're still looking at a otherworldly talent player here who's just a true five-category player just across the board. So the talent's undeniable. We'll see how quick he moves. You know, this could be questionable, but I think him and Tamar are both just that good to, to make this list. And then I've got Riley Green at 10. I like Riley Green a lot. We'll see how he progresses. I think he should crack the opening day roster, but we'll see what Detroit chooses to do. But top 10 going back through them of Acuna, Soto, J-Rod, Luis Robert, Dylan Cruz, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Corbin Carroll, Elijah Green, and Riley Green. And now I'm upset I didn't put Elijah Green. I wanted to, but yeah, Green is an absolute monster, like some of the maybe the best overall skill set in terms of the, the raw tools that I've ever seen. And I think others have echoed that sentiment as well. All right. Was there, was there anybody – this is so many good outfielders here. Was there anybody uh, – was a similar question to uh, what I asked you at shortstop, Chris. Was there anybody that you just wanted to put in there but just could bring – like was Trout and Mookie, were they still considerations for you? What about Eloy Jimenez, Tyler O'Neill, Rosarina, Buxton? Those are some names that I was kind of had on my initial list before I started whittling it down. Was there anybody that was like a really, really tough cut for you here? Uh, Betts was an easy no. Trout was an easy no. I, I think Betts' profile doesn't age that well at 35, so that was an easy no. O'Neill definitely was considered. Buxton was definitely considered. Uh, Eloy was considered as well. So those were tough. And honestly, I considered Brian Reynolds as well. That profile is yeah. going to age so well. So that was a, a tough one to cut to. I think that he's still going to be hitting for an elite average, still have that power, even though he'll be 32 at the time. So those were tough cuts. Kelnick obviously not making it. He was one that was considered. There's a lot of good names in the outfield, so it was tough to to cut down. But to me, you could maybe interchange those back three with Kelnick, but otherwise, like I feel pretty good about the ten. Yeah, you know, one that I almost wanted to put in. I, I thought about Joe Adele as well, but I don't think he quite gets to this level. I think he's probably like a top twenty outfielder. But Luis Matos, I had some serious consideration too because i don't think people realize how good Luis matos is yeah he's, he's kind of like a miguel vargas where he's under the under it, the radar that good exactly and he's plus hit he's plus speed and he could get up to above average to plus power like the, the power is trending up 
And I think that's the undervalued part of his game. So Luis Matos, I was like, you know what? Maybe I go uh, off the cusp and go Luis Matos, but I obviously didn't do it. He's a, I'll, I'll call him a, a sleeper dark horse here. Uh, Alec Thomas, too. I think Alec Thomas is very underrated. I think he could be at least close to this as well. So many good off-hitters. All right, let's go over to pitching here to wrap up the show. We're going to do top. You want to do top 25, Chris? Yeah, I got 25 down. All right, let's do it. We, we won't do 25 in a row. Uh, let's go, I don't know, let's go top 10 for each of us, and then we'll do 11 through 25 for each. Uh, so I'll, I'll start it out here. This was really hard. This was, <laughs> it was <laughs> way harder than any position. It was incredibly hard, but I will go. So my one through 10, I got Corbin Burns, one. I think he's still, like, there's not a ton of mileage on the arm. So yeah, he'll be in his, I think, 32, 33 at that point. He, he'll be as old then as roughly as Garrett Cole is now, maybe a year older than Cole is now, but there's not a ton of mileage on the arm, so I'm not really worried about him getting into his you know early 30s. So I think he'll still be one. Obviously, Burns is ridiculous. I got Shane Boz at two. I love Shane Boz. I think he's going to be absolutely dominant. I think he's going to win Cy Young Awards. Yeah, Tampa Bay will probably hold him back a little bit, but we've seen that if you – even at 160 to 170 innings, that's kind of like what 190 used to be. So I think with what he can give you with the elite ratios, elite Ks, I think he can get up there. I still have Walker Bueller at three. He'll be at roughly the same age as Corbin Burns at that point in time. We've seen, you know, this guy is an absolute workhorse. Even if he doesn't look like he's a workhorse, he is. He was one of the four guys with 200 innings this year. Had a million quality stars. Goes deep in the games. Doesn't have like the Corbin Burns or Shane Boz strikeout rate, but still, you know, high 20s K rate. A lot of quality, a lot of quantity. So I think Bueller is still going to be three. Got G Rod four. I think he's going to be an absolute frontline stud for a while that can rack up the innings as well. Uh, Give me low ratios, high Ks, lots of innings. So I get G Rod four. I put Dustin May at five. I, I thought that was a little off the wall, but I, I'm a believer in the pitch mix change. Or not so much the pitch mix, but like the usage change, I should say, that we saw last year. And there's only five starts, but he has obviously he's fil- one of the filthiest arms out there, 100 plus with movement. You know, the curveball, the cutter, the sinker. He's got a decent little changeup as well. So I think you know, right now, buy low on Dustin May everywhere because right now I think is the, the lowest his value will ever be for the rest of his career, at least for the next decade or so. And he's still, I think, 25 right now. So he'll still be right on 30 then. And now here's my first, or not really my first prospect, my first not close prospect, I should say, not Balik Bosser, G-Rod. I want Daniel Espino 6. People need to understand how good Daniel Espino is. This He could be number one by this time. I had that thought cross my mind. He's got four above average or better pitches, three of which are plus. He can spin the breaker. He can miss bats. Command and control is improving. Absolutely love Daniel Espino. Pretty Peralta 7. Obviously, lots of Ks, good ratios. Again, kind of like Shane Boz. Maybe he doesn't get the innings, but the elite ratios and Ks will be there. I guess Andy Alcantara, 8. I think what you see is end of the season is what you're going to get from Alcantara. I think he's going to be like the Zach Wheeler and age well into his, you know, he'll be, I think around 30 at this point in time, lots of innings, good ratios, good K rate. So I think he's going to be top 10 for a while. Um, this next one is going to be a favorite pick of uh, our friend here, Mr. David Mendelson. I put Dylan Cease nine. I don't know if I like it, but I think it's definitely possible. We've seen him you know, improve every year. The K rate is obviously elite. So even if he can be like a 3-3, 3-4 ERA guy, I think he's going to be potential for 250 Ks annually. 
So I'll put Cease at 9, 10, 10. I get Alec Manoa. I think he's going to be a workhorse, good ratios, good K rate. Another guy that could be, you know, 180 to 200 innings, 200 plus Ks, low three ERA, solid whip. Uh, he's probably, you know, it's hard to predict, but he's got a good lineup around him. He's probably got a lot of run support up there in Toronto for the foreseeable future. So I think he's going to be a top 10 arm, or at least in that general ballpark. So my top 10, Burns, Boz, Bueller. I got three Bs there to start. Uh, Rodriguez, May, Espino, Peralta, Alcantara, Cease, Manoa. Chris, who's your top 10? All right, I've got Corbin Burns at one. We've seen what he is. I think he's evolved. He's an ace. He's young. So everything I want to fit that guy, I still think he is at 32 years old. I've got Shane Boz too, like you do. Oh, uh, nice. I love it. I really like that. I really like Boz's stuff, the progression he made with the command and control. I think benefits him. You know, he'll build up innings. You know, five years from now, I think he's we're looking at an easy front line starter. Yeah. Garrett Cole's three. So I do think, like you, I think that we've seen pitchers peak prime be a little later than hitters so for me having garrett cole still what he's 31 now so at 36 i don't see him being that different than you know what we have now with like a Degrom or i guess Degrom's a little younger but you know you still have guys pitching so well late in their career We've got g rod at four you got shane bieber at five i think that's the first difference we've really had where everybody's just completely off bieber and i don't really get it bieber's so young and you, you take out an injury, which is one of the only injuries of his career. Like he stayed healthy his entire career. He's had no injury history at all. But everybody's completely writing him off now when we're looking at ace stuff and he's been an ace and he's just 26 years old. I mean, in a down season, like he had a bad season last year and he had a 317 ERA, a 1 2 whip in 134 Ks and 97 innings. Like that's bad. Okay. Like that's still ace. And, you know, we get him back healthy. He's an innings eater, easy 200 innings. I think he's going to throw near 200 this year. So yeah, I, agree I don't there. see why Beaver's still not a, at ace level. I've got George Kirby at six. Similar Ooh. route, man. Very Ooh. similar route to Shane Beaver, where heavy command control guy develops his stuff. His fastball's at 99 miles an hour right now. The secondaries are elite. So Kirby, to me, takes that step. He is SP6 in five years. Like you also have Dylan Cease on the list, where I'm a big fan of Dylan Cease breakout. Number seven, Walker Bueller's at eight, Brennan Woodruff at nine, and Reed Detmers at 10. Ooh, Detmers at 10. All right. There may be some bias because I drafted him in the Highlander Dynasty, but I do really <laughs> like the stuff. All right. I see how it is. Okay. I mean, it definitely could. I, I, just, I don't have Detmers on the list. He was one of the last cuts I made, but I definitely could see him being up there. I think he's one of the guys that has a, a pretty wide range of outcomes yeah. overall. So, but. Even if the, even the low end, he's still going to be like a high K mid rotation guy, I think. So he can miss bats in the week clip. So definitely like that. All right. So back to what we at, 11 here. I got Garrett Cole at 11. You know, I, I really struggled with where I wanted to put Cole. But again, he's going to be 36. And while I do think he'll age well, again, being 11th at 36 is pretty damn good, to be honest with you. So. I think just some of the other guys are going to slightly pass. I think he's still a fantasy ace at that point. It's more of like a mid to back end ace. You got to wonder with sticky stuff cracked down and they're going to crack down again. What type of Garrett Cole are we going to get? We saw that his numbers went south of the winter right around that crackdown. So that does a little bit of caution in my mind. So I have him 11. I got Bieber 12. Again, a guy I struggled with probably should have put Bieber a few spots higher. Like you mentioned, um, 
but I can see putting him eight, nine range. Uh, so I'll, but 12 is again, still very good spot, uh, especially with all the, all the talent on this list. 13. I have George Kirby there. I'm really upset that you have him higher than me. Six is awesome. I, Kirby could definitely be a top five arm for sure. He's got the stuff. I got Woodruff 14. You know, I think he's going to be what 34 or so. I think he's yeah, 29 now. Be 34 then. I think he's going to be a guy that ages well. He is a workhorse frame. I think he's still going to be a low ratios, high K guy. So still a, a back end ace even in his mid 30s. I got Julio Urias at uh, 15 there. Trevor Rogers 16. Max Fried 17. So a trio of lefties. I'm actually surprised, Chris. I thought you could put Max Fried back into your top 10. I'm like, he's going to have him like 9, 10 range. I know. Good. It's just the age. Yeah. He's still going to be good, but there's some other guys that could develop. Right. Exactly. But he's obviously a very talented arm. And I think Rogers is very underrated as well this year, especially after missing that month and a half last year due to the personal issue. Uh, so I think Rogers is a great value this year. I think he's going to be borderline ace for many years to come. 18, I get Tyler Glass now, who I wanted to put higher, but I just, the injuries, they're just always there. I just got to wonder if. He's ever going to be a guy that you see like 150 innings from in back-to-back seasons. Maybe he'll get 161 year, then he's at 70, then he'll be at 150, then he'll be at 80. It's I just don't think the consistency in terms of the workload will be there year to year, even though on talent alone, he deserves to be in the top 10 for sure. I got Shane McClanahan, 19. I think he's going to be maybe not an elite ratios guy, but you know, mid three ERA, decent enough whip, but the K's will be super elite. I think he'll be a top 10 strikeout arm. For the foreseeable future. So I love Shane McGlennon there at 19. 20, I got Michael Kopech. We saw he, he could this he could be top 10. Like I think there's a path where Kopech's top 10. If the command comes along and this transition back to a starting role goes well, definitely could be like he's at the stuff to be a top 10 arm. 21, I went Nick Abel. I st- I still see a Steven Strasburg profile here, just hopefully without the injuries where he's got four above average to plus pitches at the major league level down the road. Has to do some refinement. Obviously, the walk rate was, I think, around 13 14% last year. So as long as he refines that, pounds the zone more, the stuff definitely warrants being here. Uh, Yuri Perez at 22. We've seen that he's the hot name right now. He just, he's already gone in the Highlander Dynasty draft at pick, I think, 220-something, 230-something, somewhere in that range. Definitely could be another guy that could be top 10, and it would not surprise me whatsoever. High 90s cheese, plus curveball, changeups developing, command and control developing as well. Nicely for his age. He's already advanced for his age in terms of those departments. So Yuri Perez could be 10 spots higher. Wouldn't surprise me. I had a hard time rounding up my list, but 23, 24, 25, I have Zach Gowan, Jack Leiter, and Tanner Houck. Maybe a little homer pick there, but I think Houck's got the stuff. If he gets in that rotation, I think he could be a guy that's, you know, Almost similar to like McClanahan, mid three ERA. Maybe he won't be always the, you know, low three ERA guy, but mid three ERA and a ton of strikeouts. And Aaron Ashby was my next one that I had to bump out last second because I had forgot somebody else on my list earlier. So, now uh, round up. So Zach Gallon, Lighter, Hauk, twenty three to twenty five. Overall, my top twenty five again: Burn and Spaz, Bueller, Rodriguez, uh, G Rod. No, uh, yeah, G Rod, Dustin May, Daniel Espino, Freddie Peralta, Sandy Alcantara, Dylan Cease. Manoa at 10, Cole, Bieber, Kirby, Woodruff, Urias, 15, Rogers, Freed, Glasnow, McClanahan, Kopech, 20, Abel, Yuri Perez, Gallon, Later, and Hauk, 25. All right, Chris, bring us home. Uh, so tough. It's, I know, it's so it's tough. It's so dicey, but 
I went Jack Leiter at 11, Ooh. Julio Urias at 12. I've got Alec Manoa, 13, Max Freed, 14, Sandy Alcantara, 15, followed by Daniel Spino, Trevor Rogers, Freddie Peralta, Lucas Giolito, and Shane McClanahan at 20. Tyler Glasnow, Matt Brash, Dustin May, Logan Gilbert, and Michael Kopech at 25. And dang, it was there were some good names that were like just left off, like you know Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. Yeah, uh, Rowanti Contreras. Well. Love Rowanti Contreras. Strides he's made. DL Hall stuff is nasty if he can get the command under control. So really tough, but I think this really shows the talent of pitching prospects that are on the way. You yep. see a lot of change, you know, over the over time. And you know, if there's anybody I think could really be higher, and you had May a lot higher, I'd May at twenty three. So I could see Dustin May being a lot higher than that. I could see Matt Brash being a lot higher than twenty two. I love Matt Brash, so he's one that's been showing out this spring. I think he's going to grab a spot in that Mariners rotation and could really take off. I think his stuff is. It's really, really good. So, yeah, I, I've stuck by the fact that Alcantara and Freed are very similar pitchers, so that that kind of reflects in the rankings. You can you can flip them, flip flop them. I don't care. Alcantara is a little younger, so maybe that does get an edge, and maybe I'd reconsider that. Even though I've freed one spot ahead, the the age gives Alcantara a little edge there. But so much talent and depth that starting pitcher is just going to be really freaking deep. So uh, it's uh, exciting for sure. So I'm looking forward to it. Seeing how yeah. these guys evolve. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one name I totally forgot about until I heard you say Lucas Giolito, I totally yeah. forgot to put <laughs> in. Uh, so I'm going to do a slight update here. I have, I'm going to put him 17th between Rodgers and Freed. So that bumps Tanner Houck out of the top 25, unfortunately. But yeah, totally. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Like I knew when I was putting this list together, I'm like, I forgot some name somewhere. Uh, so a couple other names here. Okay, there's so many other names I, we could have put on here. Like, I almost put Joe Musgrove on. I think he'll still be pretty damn good. He'll be 34 then. Uh, Jose Barrios was a hard omission for me as well. Frankie Montas, Carlos Rodon, uh, a few more here. Ian Anderson, Logan Gilbert was one of my last cuts there. Uh, who else here? Luis Garcia. I kind of thought about it first, and then I saw the other names. So I was like, I can't put him up there quite yet. I almost put Lazardo in, Hunter Green, Max Meyer. Lodolo, there's so many names here. Probably, I wish we were gone a little deeper, but we could have probably done a whole show just on on pitchers here too. So, uh, a lot of good talent here. And if you missed any of these, I'll, over the next few days, we'll put out uh, position by position our rankings here or our projections, I should say. Uh, so, if you missed any of them, we'll put them out on Twitter. So, don't worry about that. This was a really fun episode, Chris. I'm glad we did this again. Yeah, we did we did it last year. I want to see what we did. I'm gonna go back and track what we did last year to see you know how how much has changed over the last year. Obviously, yeah. a lot has changed, but I want to see some of the similar names. Probably a lot of similar names, at least half of them, but a lot of new names on the list. You know, the dynasty and prospect and fantasy world is always evolving. Got to stay ahead of it. So this will be a lot of fun. We'll do this again next year. This is probably like an annual like late March show, like one of our shows right before opening day. Uh, this is a lot of fun. So thank you to all the listeners again for tuning in this episode. We hope you enjoy this as much as we did. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all, all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.
MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?